Well, Merry Christmas. Let me first say that before we, we get into the, the Word this morning. Thank you again for joining us. And again, if you are here for the first time, we welcome you to New Life Church. And if you are in Abu Dhabi and are in this area, we do meet on Thursdays for a midweek Bible study. This week we are meeting at the TEC on Island for our New Year's Eve service, which falls on a, on a Thursday. We're doing it together with ECC, and uh, you're welcome to join us. Uh, the details are on the website as well as our Facebook um, address. So please join us. We'd love to meet you and love to be able to serve you in any way that we can. So over the last month, we have been doing a different sermon series called The Promise of Christmas. And this has been our, our Christmas sermon series looking deeply at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the promise that is given to us by the, the angel Gabriel when he speaks to Joseph, when he says that his wife will bear a son uh, from the Holy Ghost and that he must call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So this morning we're going to read that passage again in chapter 1. We'll read together from verse 18 to verse 25. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Well, Christmas 2020 will probably be one of the, if not the most memorable, thanks to the coronavirus pandemic. For New Life Church, our Christmas celebrations usually take on a very special significance, largely due to the fact that we meet at the Emirates Park Zoo here in Abu Dhabi. Something about celebrating Christmas at the zoo reminds us of the animals and the, the conditions of the stable that our Savior was born into 2020 years ago. But here we are online. <laughs> Who would have thought that last year when we celebrated Christmas in the zoo, that Christmas 2020 would have to be celebrated virtually? I'm sure we are not the only ones who are maybe a little bit disillusioned and disappointed. And, and so many of us who, who worship Jesus will celebrate him, his incarnation, 
virtually and even in, in a quarantine, unfortunately. And travel and family gatherings are, are still curtailed. And I'm sure as people sing Silent Night this year, more than ever, there is more of a, of a sense of global um, angst than heavenly peace. So the hopes and fears of, of 2020 are met in Jesus this Christmas. And I hope that as we have pondered together this passage in Matthew chapter 1, that you have been encouraged by the reminder of the, the promise of Christmas, that we have a Savior who saves His people from their sins. And may the promise of Christmas fill you with a, with a biblical hope, which is nothing less than a, a promise with a, with a guaranteed fulfillment. So my first point this morning is simply the promise of Christmas is eternal life. So the promise, as we mentioned last week, the promise of Christmas is in fact the promise of Jesus himself. Our passage tells us this morning that as Joseph was considering all these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Joseph was considering the the difficult and confusing situation that he found himself in. His fiance was pregnant. He knew that he was not the father. And he must have considered who the father was and why his betrothed had been unfaithful. I'm sure there were many things that he must have considered during this time, as the passage tells us. And perhaps it would be fitting again for us just to pause at this point and ask ourselves if we have found ourselves in similar situations. where We've had to consider things and wonder about things. Especially this year. I'm sure you've thought about why and asked that same question. This unexpected COVID pandemic has caused all of our plans to, to go haywire. Maybe you felt frustrated. Maybe you felt confused and and disillusioned and, and disappointed? And has life seemed confusing and perhaps even hopeless? Is that the situation that you find yourself in right now? Well, well let, me, let me tell you straight off that this passage is here to encourage you. This is a promise of Christmas through the promise of Jesus Christ. Let me read Matthew 1 again, verse 20. The scriptures tell us, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If you are watching our on online ministry for the first time this Christmas morning, for your benefit, I want to briefly summarize what we've been learning together this last month. And when the scripture says that he, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus will save his people from their sins. Well, just briefly, the, the meaning here is twofold. Firstly, he saves us. He delivers us from the penalty of his sins. He delivers his people from the penalty of their sins. And our sins, the punishment for our sins is, is eternal condemnation in hell. And that happens instantaneously at the moment a sinner is, is awakened to believe in Jesus 
as Savior and Lord, we are saved from that eternal judgment and torment. And the Bible tells us in so many places, and God warns us of the wrath to come, if we refuse to embrace His Son, if we refuse to embrace this gospel promise. And the Bible leaves us in, in no doubt that we do need to be saved from the penalty of our sins, which is eternity in the lake of fire. We need to be saved from the wrath of God. And there are many scriptures, and a few that I'm going to mention this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans 6 tells us in verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at the condemnation there. Look at the wages there that are mentioned there in Romans. And again in John chapter 3, we're all very familiar with that passage, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then again in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear Him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We're talking about eternity here, folks. We're talking about eternal torment in a place called hell, the lake of fire. And that is what awaits us for those who have never repented of their sins, who have never called upon Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. And God warns of His wrath upon those who will not repent. The punishment for sin is severe. And it is a punishment from which we need to be saved from. In a very real sense, we need to be saved from a holy God. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 tells us that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But the glory of the gospel is found in the promise of Christmas. That the very one from whom we need to be saved is the one who saves us. The one who sends a Savior into the world to reconcile us to Himself. And secondly, He saves His people from the power of sin in their daily lives. And we've been spending a lot of time looking at that. Jesus, who saves His people from their sins, saves them also from the power of sin. We are no longer slaves of sin. We are free from them. And this happens over time. This happens gradually and progressively as the believer learns to walk in faith and as he learns to walk in dependence on the Holy Spirit. It will not be perfected until the moment when we see Jesus. 1 John chapter 3 tells us that. But if a person is not growing in holiness and he's not striving against sin and he doesn't hate his sin and he doesn't love the things of Jesus, then obviously he needs to question his own heart whether he has been saved or not. So just saying a prayer and just going to church and even taking communion or even being baptized is no guarantee that anybody is a Christian. And the fruit that we need to see is Christ-likeness, whether we are striving 
for holiness. We looked at 1 Peter chapter 1 last week, which tells us in verse 15, As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. It's a sad reality that so many people seem to be interested in the incarnation for one day a year. I'm talking about Christmas. We have a lot of focus on Christmas all over the world, even here in the UAE. But they don't seem to move past that. They don't seem to move on. And it's even more strange, it's even more absurd for me to consider how people try to remove Christ from Christmas. This week I was driving through Abu Dhabi and I saw a big neon sign on the, the side of a, a building with, a, with Christmas decorations that said, Happy Holidays. Where is Christ in this incarnation? The promise of Christmas is about Jesus Christ. It is exclusively about Jesus Christ. And I hope that as we have contemplated the truth of this passage, that the truth of the, the incarnation has been impressed in your, in your heart and your soul. And that this truth is, is one which you never move on from or away from. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, became a man in order to take away the sins of men. And so that we would be free from sin. That we wouldn't be slaves to sin. If we want Jesus just so that we can be free from hell, or so that we can get a ticket out of this judgment then we probably don't understand the gospel very well. One preacher by the name of Louis Giglio, he said, everyone wants to go to heaven, but not everyone wants Jesus Christ. Now, those who have been born again want to be like Jesus. They want to be holy, as we just read in, in 1 Peter. So how can we separate holiness from heaven? You can't. Jesus is in heaven. That's where he lives. That's where we will live one day. And we need to be living like him while we are still on this earth. Holy, because he is holy. And that's what Paul meant when he asked to know the power of Christ's resurrection in Philippians chapter 3. And it is what he wrote of to the Romans in, in Romans Chapter 6, which we've already looked at briefly, but I want to read again to you this morning. Look at verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So the question this morning that we all need to be asking ourselves is if we have this newness of life, 
Have you experienced this promise of Christmas? Christ's people have been freed from the power of sin. Are you part of these people that He came to save? Are you running after sin? Or are you loving, running after the things of the world? Do you love Christ? Or are you still in bondage to the flesh, to the world, and to the devil? There is evidence in, in their lives that Christians are overcoming sin, sinful ten tendencies. Christians have been delivered from the penalty of sin and the power of the sin. So my reminder and my challenge to you this morning is don't presume on God's grace. Romans 6 started off with, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, folks. If you are running off to sin and loving the things of this world and not loving Christ, then you need the promise of Christmas this morning. The story is told of a frontier town where a horse bolted and ran away with, with a wagon carrying a little boy. And seeing the child in danger, a young man risked his life to catch the horse and to stop the wagon. And the child who was saved, he grew up to become an evil and, and wicked man. And one day he stood before a judge to be sentenced for a serious crime. But the prisoner recognized the judge as the man who years before had saved his life on that cart. And so he begged the judge for mercy. He said, you saved me once. Can't you save me again? But the judge said he's the following. He said, young man, way back then I was your savior. But today I am your judge. And I must follow the law and uphold the law. And I must sentence you to be hanged. In the same way, right now, today, Jesus is the Savior of the world. We just read about it in Matthew chapter 1. He came to save His people from their sins. And that's what He offers us. That's what peace and, and joy and, and reconciliation He offers us through His suffering. And we celebrate that promise that Jesus came to save His people from their sins. But there will come a day, a day of judgment, when He will return to judge the world. And those who have rejected Him and denied Him and turned to follow the world and the things of the world will have to face Him as their judge, no longer as the Savior. So the question we need to ask ourselves this Christmas morning, is there evidence in your life of progressive sanctification? And if there is, then rejoice with me this morning that you have been delivered from the penalty of your sin. But if you have never submitted to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you have not been saved from your sins. And the penalty of sin is still hanging over your head and you need still to be saved from death to life. And if Jesus was to return tomorrow, you would have to meet Him not as your Savior, but as your judge. Which leads to my second point. My second point is, 
The promise of Christmas is exclusive. So we read in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, He came to save His people from their sins. He came to save His people from their sins. In other words, Jesus' death on the cross was specific for a specific people. It was substitutionary and it was specific. He died in the place of those that He came to save. But the question is, who are His people? Well, in the context of Matthew, some people may say that His people refers to the Jews, God's chosen people. And Psalm 130 actually tells us in verse 8 that He will redeem Israel from all their iniquities. But if this means that all Jews will be saved, then we have to conclude that God has failed in His purpose. Because we know that not all Jews are Christians. We know that there are many Jews that have gone to their graves rejecting Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. And Paul points out in Romans chapter 9, verse 6, that for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. So rather, it is those who are of faith. There's a spiritual Israel which the Bible talks about who are the true children of Abraham. So who are his people that this verse talks about? Well, some would say that this refers to the whole world. The whole world are God's people since Jesus is the Savior of the, of the whole world, which John chapter 4 talks about. Well, there is certainly a sense in which he is the Savior of the whole world, not just of the Jews I'm talking about, but if his purpose in coming was to save every person who has ever lived, then again, we must conclude that Jesus has failed in this purpose, that God has failed in this purpose. Because we know there are people who have gone to their graves. I know a family who have gone to their graves, who have rejected Jesus as the Messiah, who have rejected Jesus as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. We all know somebody who has gone to their grave rejecting Jesus Christ. So how can this mean all people? Well, some would say that His people refers to all who believe in Him for eternal life. And I agree with this, but to say that is, is not enough. It's not, it's not enough. We have to go further. And the Bible says that because of the fall, all men are in spiritual death and darkness. And they are unwilling and unable to come to Christ in faith because they are slaves of their sin. So we must ask, why do these people believe in Jesus? What enables them to believe? That, that's how we need to go further. That's a question we need to ask. Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6 verse 44 tells us, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Look at John 6 verse 65. And he said, This is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. 
So why do these people believe in Jesus Christ? Well, Scripture is clear, isn't it? That the only reason anyone believes in Jesus as their Lord and Savior is that God has chosen them. And God has drawn them to Himself. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 tells us that the Spirit of God has quickened them and has taken them from spiritual death to spiritual life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says that He has opened their former blind eyes to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So here we have the saving faith. And here we have repentance, which are necessary for salvation. And both of these are gifts from God to the believer. Both of these are wonderful gifts that God has given to His children. The elect that God has chosen believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior because God has granted them faith to do that. And His people refer to those whom the Father has given to the Son, whom He has purchased for God with His blood. And Revelation tells us from every tribe and every tongue and every nation, they are His people and there is not a shadow of doubt about it. And nothing and no, nobody can take them away from the love of God. He will save them from their sins. Jesus didn't offer himself potentially for anyone who would later decide to believe in him. The scriptures tell us that he actually purchased his elect people from the slave market of sin by paying with his blood, interposing with his blood, so that they do not have to pay for their own sins. And those whom he purposed to save, he saved. All whom the Father has given to the Son will come to him. And all of those, the Bible says, Jesus will lose none. And Jesus gives eternal life as a gift to all whom the Father has given to him. This is a profound truth. And once this truth sinks in, then we can come to appreciate what a privilege it is to be a member of Christ's church. Our salvation was not up to us. It wasn't up to our accomplishments. It wasn't because of our good works. Salvation is completely up to the sovereign grace of God. And once we understand this amazing grace, we live in light of our privilege. The privilege is we are a chosen people. Why did God choose me and not my family member? I don't know. God hasn't told me. But I relish the privilege that He has chosen me, a purchased possession. And I live for Him because of the price that was paid for my salvation. A purchased possession, a peculiar people, as Peter tells us. So Christians, if you are His people, if you are one of these that, that God 
has called to be his own. Embrace this wonderful truth, this gospel promise, and be humbled. Be humbled by the love of God. We are not saved from our sins because we are are better than anybody else. But rather because of the gospel, which applies the merit of Christ to, to unworthy sinners. Hallelujah. What a Savior. We are sinners who by God's grace have come to see that we need a Savior. And thanks be to God, we have one who has saved us from our sins. So dear Christian, be encouraged with the promise of Christmas. As I said last week, keep trusting in the power of God's promise to save His people from their sins. And keep praying. Keep praying for your lost loved ones. And keep believing that God will save His people. And what greater encouragement could there be to pray? And no matter what opposition the world, the flesh, and the devil raise up against us, the promise remains firm. The gospel remains firm. He will save His people from their sins. Well, my third point this morning is the promise of Christmas is everlasting. The promise of Christmas is everlasting. We see from Matthew 1.21, here this promise includes the, the full work of redemption that will one day reverse the curse of sin when Christ returns. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 22. It tells us, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So right now, the entire creation reflects the curse of sin. I think the very fact that I'm speaking to you over this communication, this live stream, is evidence of that. The fact that we have to be separated, the fact that we have to wear masks, the fact that we have to take vaccinations, is evidence of that. The entire creation reflects the curse of sin. And all creation groans. That is, all created things suffer a common misery, being in the state of pain and disorder. And the groaning is intense. And I love this this metaphor, this simile that that Paul gives us of of childbirth. We are in the pains of, of childbirth at the moment. In the beginning of this year, I preached a message from Luke chapter 5 called Love, Leprosy, and COVID-19. And um, we studied together where leprosy and where COVID came from. But COVID-19 did not originally come from China. COVID, as well as leprosy, can be traced all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, there were no rogue parasites or or harmful germs. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that in the Garden of Eden, everything was good. And I believe that part of that good creation and perfect creation was bacteria and, and viruses. They were part of God's perfect design in the Garden of Eden. We know from microbiology that 
Bacteria is, is necessary. They play an important role in sustaining life on this planet and that viruses con contribute to the functionality of bac bacterial agents. And bacteria and viruses in and of themselves are not evil. They're not wicked. These bacteria and viruses were, were part of God's good design for an intricately ordered creation. But the problem started when sin entered the world. Everything was changed. And the curse of sin fell upon all creation. Everything changed. The Bible tells us death through sin. The whole earth was subject to futility. God created us perfectly. We were never created to die. We were created to live with God forever and enjoy Him perfectly in perfect fellowship in the Garden of Eden. And because of the fall, now we experience old age. We experience degeneration and death is now a reality and, and all creation is subject to it. All men die. All animals die. All plant life dies because of the fall, because of sin. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 21. It tells us that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So here the apostle is telling us that the entire universe held under the curse eagerly longs for the day when it will Join with God's children in, in glorious liberation from, from death and decay. One day, we can look forward to that. Paul is speaking of the new heavens and the new earth that, that Revelation chapter 22 talks about. When no longer there will be any curse. And the curse of sin will be lifted. And all creation will be restored to, to Eden-like perfection. Revelation 21 tells us that there will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more mourning, no more tears, no more crying. For the old things will be passed away. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 tells us in the, in the ESV. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The Apostle Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that, that all creation is eagerly waiting that future glorious day. When God's children become who they always were supposed to be. I read a... Uh, J.B. Phillips, New Testament in, in modern English this week, and it renders this verse a little differently, but in, in a wonderful way. He says, the whole creation is on tiptoes, tiptoes to see the wonderful sight of the sons of God coming into their own. What a nice picture there. When at last sin is removed from the children of God, all nature will burst forth in glory. And the promise of Christmas from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, includes the full work of redemption 
that will one day reverse the curse of sin when Christ returns. And we long for that day. And we can long for that day because of the promise of Christmas. The promise, the guaranteed promise, the guaranteed hope that we have. When Jesus comes for all of those who have trusted in him, God will restore all things. He will create a new heaven. He will create a new earth to replace that which was cursed and destroyed. And mankind will no longer be fallen, but we will be restored and we will be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God. I hope this Christmas promise that we have been studying, this Christmas promise from Matthew chapter 1, reminds, reminds you of the hope that transforms our suffering. And we live in a world that is corrupt. We all have been affected by it this year. And we long for the day when it will go away. And it might not. And that's why we mustn't put our eyes on the things of this world. We mustn't think temporary. We need to be putting our eyes on eternity. The promise of Christmas is not just salvation from our sins, but it is everlasting. It is eternal. All creation waits for the promise of full and final restoration and redemption when Christ returns. And we wait with eager hope for the day when our bodies will be released from the sin and this disease and this suffering. And the promise of Christmas is a magnificent future for the believer. Complete. Complete with a glorified brand new body. And right now, at present, we only have a, have a little taste of our, of our glorious future through the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. But our hope and salvation is in calling upon the name of the Lord and trusting in Jesus' perfect sacrifice for our sin. And this Christmas, of all Christmases, we are in need of hope. And the hope we need is found in the words of the angel Gabriel to Joseph. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. As a church, we love to sing together the song, Is He Worthy? by Andrew Peterson. In fact, we're going to sing it just after this. Let me read the words to you. These words really do echo the promise of Christmas that we've been talking about. Do you feel the world is broken? And the congregation responds, we do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? And we respond, we do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? And I hope you respond, we do. But do you wish that you could see it all made new? And I hope you respond with me this morning. We do. Is all creation groaning? We know it is. We just saw it in Romans chapter 8. Is a new creation coming? We know it is. We just saw it in Romans 8 and Revelation 21 and verse 22. Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Respond with me. It is. 
Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It certainly is. We live in a world that is in trouble, folks, that is broken. We often keep our eyes off that which is truth and focus on that which are lies. So be reminded this morning, this Christmas, more so than ever, remind ourselves of this. And the question we ask, is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? And the song goes on to ask the question, is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? I hope you know the answer to that question. The resounding answer is, yes, only one is worthy. And as the angel said to Joseph, his name is Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. He is the Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. His name is Jesus, and He is worthy of all blessing and honor and glory. And we worship Him as the incarnated Son of God this morning. Pray with me and then sing with me this glorious song. For the praise of our glorious Redeemer God. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the promise of Christmas. And we are so encouraged, Lord. And we need to be reminded. We certainly need to be reminded of the light within our midst. Thank you, Lord, for coming into this dark world, this broken world, this sin-cursed world to purchase our redemption. Thank you, Lord, for coming into this world 2,020 years ago so that you would save us from our sins. Please, Lord, may your spirit do the work in the lives of those who have heard this message for the first time. Save those that need to be saved. Save your people, Lord. And for those of us, Lord, who are your people, thank you for that promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. Thank you for that promise. So you are returning, Lord, and we look forward to that day. And while we, while we hope through our suffering, Lord, may we keep our eyes on eternity when all things will be made new, where our tears will be turned to joy. Father, please remind us this Christmas of he who is indeed worthy. In Jesus' precious name we ask and pray. Amen.